Good evening. We are in the green room once again. It's uh, really going to be a beautiful show. We have some really interesting uh, information to get out and um, just looking forward to putting this together. We have uh, my co-host over here, sometimes hola, hola, <laughs> Marianne Rosetta Romano. Hi, everyone. I got it that time. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, our special guest is uh, Rhea Landig. Now, Rhea, as it's been written here, if I can read this here, it's um, a vigilant Earth pilgrim, guardian of the planet, animals, and all of Earth's bounties. Bo- bounties. A lover of home, an activist steering our culture towards just and sustainable lifestyles with the purpose to support the web of life. That's some title, (laughs) That's some title. But you know what? It seems like it really fits. Well, thank you. It's it's something to really live into and strive for. That was written by Wolf Adonis. Yeah, yeah. Astronomer, vegan, and farmer. Vegan, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that those are those are inspiring words to me, and something to me I, too. <laughs> something I try yeah, to aspire to daily, um, and and whether I always hit the mark, it, you know, remains to be seen. But I, I do. Every day is a new day, That's and uh, I try and share um, this information with with all those that I come in contact with. And I, and I thank you for this opportunity for inviting me on your show to share this with your listeners. Absolutely. How, um, how did you get into this? How, how did this, this whole thing start? I mean, <laughs> was it a childhood thing of seeing these little ants walking around? <laughs> I mean, what, what uh, inspired you? It, you know, it's been a journey uh, for sure. I have a mother who comes from Bavaria, uh, from the Bavarian mountains, so really, you know, when we go back there to visit, it's, it's still like the photographs that mm-hmm. I've seen growing up and when I visited as a child and and continue to visit, and, and my father was from Wisconsin, and, and you know, they're, they're very enthusiastic about being out in nature no matter that's how right. cold it is. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So I think that's, that's where my love, of, blood. my love of nature started. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I... Uh, it's been a journey, and for sure, and I've made all kinds of stops along the way, and at one point, even uh, living in New York City, and, which is not really part of so much of the natural world. It's very hard to find the natural world in New York City, but, um, you know, I had a very successful career in media. Well, don't you see the, uh, the, the grass growing through the cracks in the cement in New York City? Yes. I mean, that, that always inspired me. That, <laughs> wow. I, I remember as a kid seeing that once and just going, maybe not once, but like, wow, that's there. <laughs> that yeah. was supposed to be there. And thank we goodness for some, some of the parks. But, uh, yeah, yes, so, yes. you know, I, um, I, I was quite, um, I would say, entrenched in my career and, and it was all-consuming, and 
um, exciting and inspiring, but um, there was a time in my life when I started really consciously looking for uh, redesigning the context in which I was living my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, money's great, but, you know, I don't want to sound corny, but it doesn't buy you happiness. And I, and I found that kind of my, who I was on the inside was not matching my outward expression, my my day-to-day. And while, you know, I, I was quite blessed with... Um, a great career doing producing. I was a fashion editor, a celebrity stylist, um, a spokesperson, um, which was wonderful. I just found that there was there was a gap between the way I was living my life and who I felt I really was. And so I wound up doing uh, a personal growth seminar, and there was a challenge in front of me, which was design a community project. And in its abstract form, I was just answering some questions. And I I decided, um, without knowing how or the particulars, um, that I wanted to impact the whole planet, you know, the planet being my community. And and I wanted to somehow involve film because I love that as a far-reaching medium. And it had to benefit animals. So that's where I started with this community project. And uh, as it is, when you put intentions out there in your life, you start to attract certain things, and things are pulled into your day-to-day. And I wound up uh, getting reacquainted with an old friend from California who, who I knew as a teenager, and I bumped into him, and I, you know, his, his name's Monty Thompson. And I said, Monty, what are you doing? And he said he just fi- finished a graduate uh, program at CIIS, which is a, a great school in Berkeley, and he had a professor, David Ulancey, and um, he said he taught me all about the mass extinction crisis, and I'm, and I'm going to make a film about it, and uh, we started forming a group around this, and I said, well, what's the mass extinction crisis? And, you know, he told me that within this generation's time, we're due to lose half of all plants and animals on the whole entire planet. Um, if we don't start changing our behaviors, and, and I, you know, I was gobsmacked. I, you know, I've, I haven't read about this on the Sierra Club's website. I haven't heard about it on the news, on television, or anything like that. And, you know, this was in 2006. So that, that really was a pivotal moment for me. And what I wound up doing when he started teaching me about really what's going on in our natural world, which we are a part of, even though we, we have built such a man-made world as well. Um, you know, I started immediately, this became my community project, and I started raising uh, funds and awareness for this film, the making of the film, called Call of Life, which actually mm-hmm. got made and has traveled around the world and, and is being used in universities and schools to educate people. So how right. can people, how can our listeners... Um find that movie is it on netflix or it actually it's it has its own website uh calloflife.org and people can look and find out about it they can order it they can uh watch the trailer they can uh peruse the list of all the wonderful interviewees that uh, came to us for for this film i'm some I, I can't believe who's in this film but it's it's the premier scientists, biologists, psychologists, religious mm. and indigenous leaders yeah. um, speaking about this, uh, 
crisis, what's going on. Um, people like Norman Myers from Oxford University, um, Richard Leakey, Stuart Pym, um, just fabulous people, just to name a few. The, the list is long, and, and they all are so very accomplished. And I know it's shocking when you, he- when you find out something, the, the statistics, and you find out a crisis like that. When I, and Vinny knows this, when 2013 I found out about the elephant crisis, mm-hmm. and it was shocking to me that nothing was being done, and we were 10 years from extinction of African of the African elephant and you know you don't even you don't hear about well now you are yeah because there's been you know a lot of voices that have uh, have raised been raised but um you know I had no idea of what you're talking about and who Mm. would who would have thought you know growing up that our beautiful you know these wonderful like our land animals you know and every species of great ape and gorilla i mean all these animals are are now not only endangered but they're they're at the threat of being extinct you know they had they're being pushed out of their environments yeah you know more and more actually you know there are six main drivers of extinction and the mm-hmm. habit, habitat loss and destruction is i think by far the worst coming in at number one um second would be the over exploitation of them you know um, whether that be hunting or killing. But, you know, I mean, can you believe, like, 50% of the ocean fishes are gone? 50%. I mean, our songbirds declined 50%. Right. Um, and not to mention, yeah. like... And the elephants, <laughs> not almost... Well, now, you know what people don't realize, too, is all uh, they're all players in keeping our planet healthy and functioning optimally. Like, I, I was just listening to a book um, while I was traveling the other day, uh, and it, the guy um, goes into a lot of the history oh, from the 50s and and then it kind of started up again in the, in the 70s and the 80s of the wiping out of the wild Mustang yeah. out in the Midwest mm-hmm. and the propaganda that went out about how destructive they were and they, they were eating all... Mm-hmm. But they were actually, when they were there, the grasses were growing that were natural <laughs> to that environment mm-hmm. And the reason they were getting rid of them was because they wanted to graze the land with cattle, and it actually destroyed. Yeah, that's the, the cattle industry is very powerful, and they have great lobbyists, and this is all happening on public land, you know, with the BLM. The BLM. It's, you yeah, know, it's, 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 um, it's criminal is what it is. And, and they it, spin everything and yeah. get, sure. you know, the media and the special interest groups behind them to, you know... Well, and you look at who owns the media, too. So <laughs> it's another reason why um, a show like yours is so special and so vital. Um, because it gives because people a voice to tell the truth. The truth, exactly. And, um, and, and, you know, just to kind of touch on what you're saying, you know, we're talking about the most visible creatures. But, you know, as you said, Marianne, there's the smallest of microbes also have a part to play in, in our web of life. Right. And... Um, and I think, you know, we have to remember that. Uh, there's, um, there's a meme out on, on social media right now that, that shows a possum, you know. And this, um, it, it says, like, how possums are responsible for eating 50,000 ticks a year. And 
It's funny. Where the heck are they? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Get busy. You know, and so there's been a prejudice. I have out to there say there's, there's yeah. a prejudice against possums, I'm, I must say. They don't like the way they look. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you think about, like, I'm just thinking back to my childhood. Like, you know, the ladybug. Here's the ladybug. Uh-huh. I had a great press agent because the, the ladybug is, is, is beloved, right? Yet the spider is uh-huh. feared. So clearly somebody had a better, had a PR team, you know, a better PR team than the spider. All the packaging. <laughs> yes. But, um, no, we have to think of that in terms of, you know, these, these, um, these attitudes that we're indoctrinated with growing up these prejudice, you know, being speciesist. And also, I think, you know, human beings, I think we're, we have an arrogance that we are somehow above nature or can control it, and um, we're not part of it. And um, we need to really rethink that because we can't exist without this web of life, and we can't exist without all the other animals. So what does that say about us um, as a species, that we are wiping out our says. life support system. That that's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, like you said, we're arrogant. You know, that we think that we're better than anything that's been created here, and yeah. it's all part of us. We're we're all part of the same thing, and um, it's kind of like we breathe, and the plants help us breathe, and we give oxygen. You know, it's like just this whole thing that's happening. And even to the bees, the bees, how much they do and how much uh, uh, is going on with that whole thing. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, the consciousness. But people don't, you know, I, I find that people are so calloused and so cold and they, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's not going to happen, you know. It's like, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> you know, how, how you can prove that it's happening, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, that's why we made this film. <laughs> yeah. To really state yeah. the case. And, you know, it was the first film ever made about the extinction crisis. Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody has dared to touch it. And in fact, we had found out that several of, of the large international organizations have known about the extinction crisis and didn't want to touch it because of many issues. It's, it's very charged. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of reasons why, because... Uh, you know, number one, it's, I think it's very hard for human beings to take this in our consciousness. We've never had to have this conversation ever before on the planet. And to think that, you know, to take responsibility that we are driving this. Mm-hmm. You know, the last mass extinction was 65 million years ago when the asteroid hit Earth mm-hmm. and wiped out systems and caused this great extinction. This is when the dinosaurs were around. And now... Here we are. Here's the next. We are in officially in the sixth mass extinction crisis that we are, that we are causing, and we're the equivalent of the asteroid. I was going to say we, wow. we're not waiting for the asteroid this time. It's us. <laughs> That's the good news and the bad news because we're causing it. We can fix it. That's right. But we have to wake up. So this is a really. It's a crucial time. This this generation. You know, we can't pass the buck anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's up to us, and. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen. Are we going to wake up? I, I say let's wake up and do this because there's, it's a great problem, but it's such a great opportunity mm-hmm. that um, we as human beings are evolving, you know. Mm-hmm. And who are we going to evolve into? Are, what kind of 
what kind of species are we going to choose to be? Are we going to destroy or are we going to be compassionate and choose life and, you know, Garden. fix this? Guard and protect our planet rather than continue to destroy it. Yeah, we have the, we have the choice to do either. Yeah, we have the choice. We do have the choice. And so now it's a matter of, of waking up everybody. And, I, you know, I think it is beginning to come into our consciousness. We, look, we've started to talk about climate change, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's good. But um, to realize that this is much bigger than climate change. Climate change is one of the six main drivers of extinction, but it's just a part of it. So that kind of gives you an idea of the magnitude. But our own evolutionary processes as human beings is that we have a flaw. And we've been taught to only pay attention to these emergencies. Right. We right. haven't paid attention to the background so right. much. So, you know, we need to start taking meaningful action before we're just bombarded with emergencies. And we're going to be putting out fires, literally, yeah. <laughs> and um, dealing with all these emergencies. So wouldn't it be better to make these great choices now right and right. and what a way to to connect with one another in such a and powerful yeah. meaningful way and it's a better way i mean it's almost you know you could talk about climate change and, and and all of that but this is really where people can see that you are causing this you know you're causing this extinction you're causing these things to happen all climate change people say well it's going to happen it's going to change whatever but something like the animals disappearing because we want uh, trophies, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. whatever, you know, the land and to cut down all the trees because they're in our way for these big buildings, you know, it's like. Right. Well, uh, it's like, what can people do? I mean, like, we've got the, the pipeline that's looking to come through, and so right. many people have put that. so much time pro- protesting, protesting and yeah. writing letters and going to meetings, uh-huh. yeah. and there's a high level of frustration and feeling like, you know, why? Because it's you know it's not going to change anything, right? Right. And you know, and and people can make their own small contributions to the environment and climate change by recycling and making posi- you know choices on the types of things that they they buy and mm-hmm. how they live their life. What are some other ways that you know you could yeah. say to people? You know what these these are in your everyday life how you can contribute. Yeah. This is this is the n- number one question I get asked. You know, I do a lot of work with the film, going and bringing it to schools. You know, all over the world. I think that's having important. Discussions. Bringing it to schools. It should be yeah. in every school. It, it should be kids. required watching for yeah. for everybody. And you know, part of the thing is we live in now a global economy, so we don't even we don't even make that connection between our impact when we're destroying a. Mm-hmm. A forest in Indonesia, right? You know, right for right. our wood. Um, so it is important that we know our impact and we educate people about our impact, and so we can make good choices. And you know, but you bring up a great point. We're fighting things like a pipeline, and people are very involved. It's happening right here in our backyard, and just you know, in terms of the species loss for for doing that, for blasting, for mining, pipeline coming in, the the destruction of habitat, that's pretty clear when it's in your backyard, when they want to put a pipeline mm-hmm. right in front of you. And, um, you know, but I think there's been something that's been happening to us over time that we have, we have bought into a myth that we are not enough, that we were small, we are, we are children, we need somebody to clean it up for us. No, we, we are enough. We are, we, we're not infantile you know mm-hmm. we, we 
we do have the power, but the system is not going to change from within itself. The system is benefiting a few, and they're happy to keep it that way. And until there's uh, enough of us that have banded together and put pressure on the Alpine system, it's not going to change. So it's really important that we do share this information and that we do come together over these issues. And the pipeline is a perfect example mm-hmm. of that. You know, we are starting to see some people in politics who are speaking out, like in New Jersey, we have Senator Lesniak. He's, yeah. you know, he's very much for banning uh, trophies coming into yeah. the states, and he's been spearheading that. He's one of the few political leaders who has mentioned the extinction crisis. Um, you know, it's a very hot topic because, you know, you're asking people to change the way they live their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, people sometimes don't want to change, and even if it's to benefit that, you know, we were very short-sighted. So, um, I think people just have to really get more involved. There's things that we must do um, on a global level, mm-hmm. but also in our everyday choices. And I think one of the most revolutionary acts that you can do is have meaningful conversations about this mm-hmm. in the face of the day-to-day you know, uh, business as usual. That in itself is a revolutionary act. To take a stand against a pipeline is a revolutionary act. To to make a choice and say, okay, I'm not going to use Roundup. I'm going to pull these weeds out myself. (laughs) You know, people... even these these small acts, look. Well, that's the society we live in. It's like either there's yes. a pill for something or there's a machine for something. Actually, I have a recipe. You have instead a recipe. of instead of Roundup, do a gallon of uh, white vinegar, um, two cups of uh, sea salt, and a tablespoon of uh, of uh, Dawn liquid. And you mix that together, and you spray it on your weeds. And they will die. Just put it, do it on a sunny day, and let them yeah. sit. Or, and you can really? even use Epsom salts. And if Epsom. you don't have the sea, sea salt. salt on hand, do that as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that works. And um, yeah, but it's simple things like that. That um, mm-hmm. look, it's it's not going to completely solve the problem. But it, what it does, it, it breaks open an awareness to the business as usual. And, you know, your neighbor just has to perceive something that you're doing to take notice. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. kind of a good thing about our society is that sometimes people don't even... Everybody's so nosy. (laughs) Yeah. They, you know, they sense something is going on. Now, there's there's always going to be leaders who who are seeking out this knowledge, who are on the forefront. And that's good. Like yourself. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying, you know, but there's there's some there's people that I look to, yeah, to sure. that that are sure. inspiring me mm-hmm. um, every day, and um, and I think it's a question we we wake up into every day, uh-huh. you know, and what can I do in right. certain situations? I am, you know, and it I even though I I'm the executive director of this organization what's the name of the organization it's called Species Alliance yeah, so we didn't get that word in yet yeah no yeah, that's, right. that's right that's um, Species Alliance and um, even though I'm at at the helm of this organization the day-to-day applications of this information and just you know having conversations with neighbors look I'm just like anybody else I, it's funny, after, um, after we had Hurricane Sandy, right? And the year after, in the place I used to live, there was a neighbor, 
and he cut down this beautiful old tree. I mean, I, I, was, I came outside, I heard the chainsaws, and I heard guys cheering every time they cut a big limb down. And I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I cried. I was like, I looked at that tree every day. It was beautiful. We lived near a highway, so I knew what that tree did. And um, mm-hmm. I walked up to the crew, and look, even though I run this organization, I walk up to this crew of guys... And, you know, you can just, you can almost hear what they're thinking when I come up there and I say, why are you cutting that tree down, <laughs> you know? And I'm stopping everything. And, um, and they said, well, the owner came up to me and said, well, during Hurricane Sandy, you know, one of the branches fell and it dented part of my truck. So I'm taking the tree down because I don't want a, the next storm mm-hmm. to take the whole tree down on my house. <laughs> and, you know, you I was, I'm just looking for a way to connect with him. And I said, look, you need that tree. <laughs> you need that tree to prevent another super, source, super storm, Sandy. Mm-hmm. That tree is filtering out the carbon. It's filtering out pollution. It's filtering out the noise from the highway. That tree is home to probably hundreds of, of animals on many different levels. Oh, yeah. I said, what neighbor in this neighborhood has done that for you? Can you know? And and so they all kind of stopped, and um, unfortunately, the tree still came down. Of course. And but I still, you know, there still is that. There's always a conscious choice that I make when I live my life on a day-to-day basis, sharing information. Now, you know, I didn't have to go out of my house. I didn't have to walk down and talk to this crew of guys and I know, you know, I probably was not the most loved in that group and that's okay I'm not here to win the popularity contest right. but, you know, I was called forth to, to share what I know That's right And that's so right. it's, it's I think what we can do is we can, we can all do this in our lives, you know mm. get educated, keep educating yourself um, and you might have to dig for some of the information but you know, um Films like ours is is a great way to start. Start, yeah. And um, and and you share that information. Share it with your neighbors. Share share it with your groups, and and that's that's a huge thing you can do. And of course, making individual choices. Um, I think getting involved on a deeper level, whether it be politically, socially, you know, join an environmental group. Mm. Um, really kind of get out there and, and you'll be surprised how enriched your life becomes making Absolutely. these new choices yeah we, we become part of the process of of t- caring for the earth just like the sun and the rain and the flowers we become part of that process yeah. it's it's a it's a wonderful um relationship to have your mm-hmm. relationship with nature because it also does something it, it restores yourself there was this study so true there's a study of um, of effects of what happens when people get out there and they and they dig in the earth and they restore nature. It has so many positive effects, not only on the planet but something with our, our relationship to mm-hmm. ourselves, and and that does affect how we relate to others and the planet. Um, one of the programs that Species Alliance had was, you know, we do our primary program is educating people with the film mm-hmm. and, um, and with other creating other media having to do with um, the awareness of, of 
the effects of these extinctions on our life support systems. And, and we look, our mission is to, to be um, a catalyst for change, both with political policy, but also with um, human behavior. Mm-hmm. So we like to also take it to a very local level. One of the programs that was run was a local program where uh, local organic farmers uh, were um, included with their produce and um, we taught people how to can using organic produce. Why is it important to use organics? Mm-hmm. You know, what does that mean? Oh, I love that. And then every month was a new, whatever came out of the field was the new uh, item to can, the project mm-hmm. to can, and, and we showed people how to do that without any chemicals, without sugars and things like that to promote good health as well. Where are you doing that? I want to take a call. Hold these thoughts, because <laughs> we have to break for a second. Okay? Okay. So, um, Everybody out there, just uh, hang in there. Learn something. See you in a few seconds. Where are you doing only gets one chance to make a first impression. That's why Green Birdie Productions offers free re-edits on every high-definition video we create. Our Emmy Award-winning staff and green screen special effects studio guarantee the quality we strive for. It's no wonder most of our business comes from referrals. Green Birdie Productions. Compelling video. Competitive price. If you're looking for an experienced craftsman for home repair and construction work in central New Jersey and eastern PA, look no further than Darren Kosiorek. Based in Ringo's, New Jersey for 30 years, this hardworking Polish immigrant does everything from roofing and siding installation to creating original furniture. Darren's motto is, I love my job and you'll love my work. So call for a free estimate at 609-851-5398. Casiora Home Repair and Construction. Your Walk Cafe and Catering. And we'd like you to join us on Food for Thought Where What do we talk about, Laura? We talk about restaurants. We talk about pet recipes. Peeves, pet peeves. Bitchy hostesses. <laughs> All sorts of food-related items. All sorts of Tune food in. stuff. And sometimes not so much food stuff. We go off on segues, but we have a lot of fun, don't we? Absolutely. So join us on Food for Thought. PANJRadio.com, 1 o'clock weekdays. It's all authentic comfort food at Bitter Bob's in New Hope. Bob serves mouth-watering barbecued pork and chicken dishes, signature sloppy sandwiches, homemade cornbread, macaroni and cheese and collard greens, all the great southern dishes you crave for. Bob serves weekend brunch, lunch, and dinner, BYOB, with an outside patio that is dog-friendly, and he has a kid's menu. Great desserts, too. And Bob can cater any event, big or small. Tell the waitstaff you heard this commercial and get 10% off. Bitter Bob's in New Hope, PA. Authentic comfort food for your family. 
Looking through a window, hole in the wall. Mama said I'd be big, but I look so small. And she lied when she said it would be so simple. And she said she'd be there for and I fall. I give up, didn't need her at all. And she's coming back now. Say she'd stay, but somebody else took her place. Hi, this is Alexandra Gel. Tune into In the Green Room on PANJ Radio at 5 p.m. nightly. Hi, this is Judith Marshan with PANJ Radio. I'd like to uh, invite you to listen to my new show, Musical Notes, where I will be interviewing different musicians um, at 8 p.m. every night. Um, Tuesday nights I will have a new musician, and then it will air the rest of the week. We'll be finding out what these musicians are all about and listening to some of their music. So tune in. It's going to be a great show on PANJRadio.com. some really powerful stuff going on here really great information stuff that can can center you to realize how in touch with this planet we are when we open up our mind this uh, this place that we live in in this world is so amazing there's so much magic in it and we can't see it because we're so cluttered. And um, the beauty of uh, what's going on now, and maybe that's what the beauty is, is to wake people up to that beauty, you know? To say, like, look, you're on this incredible planet, you know, with so many beautiful things. And it's yours. Take care of it, basically, you know? So anyway... As you were saying about organic canning. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's really beautiful what you said. It's just, and what a, what a, what a great responsibility to have. What a great opportunity for us to have with, to be caretakers. Yeah. And, and to really fully be in relationship with where we live and, and all the inhabitants. You know, we share this, this planet with millions millions of species and yet you know humans take 50 percent of all the fresh water 40 percent of all the green stuff mm-hmm. you know we got to learn to share and um you know it's uh we've never we've never had this many people on the planet and and our numbers are going to grow mid-century to nine billion you know mm-hmm. that's a lot 
um, population is another driver of extinction. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we need to be very mindful of these choices going forward, you know. And um, so canning, yes, canning is a, is, is a choice, <laughs> for sure. I think I'd like to try to organize some kind of a canning event around here. I would, I would, I would love to do that. Paul's okay. a great time. It's coming up already, you know, we're... Can you believe it's already August? No, I have fond <laughs> memories of doing canning with my grandparents. Yeah. Did you? Can yeah. Oh, oh my with gosh. The tomatoes? The tomatoes? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yes. it's a great tradition to, to pass on. You know, yeah. it's it's it. You know, we don't want to lose that. That's yeah. a great. That's a great thing to do. Whole family can do together. And, um, you know, I really think a lot of these solutions are going to come at local levels. You know, so. Um, look at our food system right now. That's it's a really important thing to look at. And there's nothing so great as to like be, you know, in the soil and growing <laughs> food. It's probably the hardest job you'll ever have, but it's the most gratifying. And you know, there's there's all kinds of things people can just go to local organic farms, and they can. They can volunteer they can, in exchange for food. There's, you know, and, and what a great thing to be, you know, for a few hours you're, you're working side by side with all kinds of people and meeting new people and connecting in a really profound way. Mm -hmm. And it just does something about making the food taste better. Because you're connected, you're connected with the whole process. Oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, like when I pick a tomato out of my right. garden. Yeah. And I can it's remember as incredible. a little girl, my dad, my dad always gardened. And mm -hmm. we, he would always let us have like a patch. Mm-hmm. I was telling my husband the other day, one of my fondest memories is my first garden, and I got to pick what I was going to plant, and I pl picked popcorn. <laughs> and then we got to pop it, and it was, like, so exciting. No, wait a minute. <laughs> you, can, you can pick popcorn? Well, it grows just like regular corn, but it, the kernels are different. Okay. And, and then you, you know, you... I you, did not know this. You didn't learn something new, baby. <laughs> and, and, of course, you didn't use GMOs or any sort of weed pesticides, right? No. My no. Never did that. No. So, but I don't know if the, the seeds, well, back then, I'm sure they, didn't ha they weren't GMO modified seeds. No. But, you know, today, it's, you have to really. You have to watch you have to out look for that. To get, you have to look and, and navigate to get seeds that aren't GMO. Correct, right. Even the plants you're buying, you know, when you buy plants, always buy, make sure they're organic, organic. you know. Uh, make sure you know how they've been grown, and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's really important. Um, but, yeah, these, these things are, are th again, like in line with the choices, and I think it's really important uh, with our food supply to know your farmer, know how things were made, know what you're putting in your body. I mean, that's, that's super important, you know. We Speaking of. Yes. There's a thing that um, you mentioned about Lyme disease and goat milk. Oh, goat milk. Is there something <laughs> we can talk? I yeah. mean, goat milk is incredible. Yeah, you know, kind of along the lines of, of food being nutritious and food being medicine, what it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, I personally live in this area in Hunter Nick County, and, um, you know, Lyme disease is epidemic out here. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the East Coast in general, but it, it is traveling all over. Um, and again, this is another sign of of um, a planet that is is uh, 
in need of help. You know, when we, we need a healthy, strong biodiversity, mm-hmm. we actually have lizards that do biofiltering. They actually do biofiltering against limes. Um, our possums, you know, they eat 50,000 ticks per year. It's, it's a strong case to keep our, <laughs> our web of life strong. You know, yeah. uh, we depend on these animals for our own health. So um, it's, a, it's an epidemic out here. And no doubt with all the sprays and pesticides and things, we are growing super strains of things. Um, and our immunity is weakening. You know, mm. our own immune system is very impacted by our environmental hazards, by, by the garbage in our processed foods, by medications and, and things like Antibiotics. That. And Anti- yeah, that. exactly. I found myself, um, on a personal note, afflicted with limes. Uh, for six years I had it. I didn't know I had it. Mm. Um, I, I was lucky enough to have a bullseye rash. And I immediately went to the doctors and I got antibiotics and I never looked back because they said, this will be fine. You just take your two weeks of antibiotics and you're fine. That's the CDC protocol. Unfortunately, that, um, that doesn't do the trick. You know, the antibiotics will cut the bacteria. Mm-hmm. It will slow the replication mm-hmm. of the spirochete. But unfortunately, it will also coat the cells and the cells lay dormant. Um, until you are physically or emotionally really under a lot of stress, then you hear people having flare-ups, which can be quite debilitating. And if you have it for a long period of time, it affects every system in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, I had symptoms with my heart, um, floaters in my eyes, inflammation of my spine, muscle spasms, mm-hmm. and of course, number one, um, really severe fatigue and uh, just... Uh, no immunity mm-hmm. and and very hard like sensitivities to light sound things like that and i you know i had had an operation so i thought everything was because of this operation mm-hmm. and then you know then i turned 50 and i thought well you know certainly you know people do age and i'm coming of age and so perhaps that was it but um i was fortunate enough to um finally have a doctor who sought a a very specific test it was you know either you grow limes in a petri dish or you don't and within um one week i grew it in the petri dish which i think it happens over six weeks so i grew it in one and um you know i had had previously the western blot test which i had false negatives and um what i found out later is that if you're treated with antibiotics that can very well have an effect on your test Mm -hmm. so i did find out that now, I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed researchaholic, if you haven't noticed. And uh, I did find <laughs> I that, have. Yeah. You have to be these days. But, you know, I think my training as an editor, that's why I like to communicate yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm... Makes sense. You know, please learn from me. And I'm, I love to, to share this information. There is a, a premier lab called Igenix out in Palo Alto. And um, have your doctor use them or call them directly for a, a kit. If you suspect you might have limes, you know I was diagnosed with all kinds of things, um, but they also test for co-infections, which is really important. What, what is what that? A, yeah. Co-infections come from the tick. Depending on uh, the host, the animals that they've been on, they carry many other diseases: uh-huh. Babesia, Ehrlichia, Bar- Bartonella, things like that. And I found out, you know, I had Bartonella, Babesia, and um, 
I those found are that strands of those are co-infections. So it's an it's an additional effect uh, uh. infection um, carried by the tick and passed along to to the human. And uh, I found out very importantly if you have if you have Babesia, you must cure that first. Otherwise, you cannot get rid of your limes. So it's really important to learn if you have these co-infections as well. And this lab, Igenix, does test for that as well. So I found myself, um, after I got my diagnosis, the what do I do? Because I know so many people and their pets in this area that, that have Lyme's disease. And I'm surprised not a lot of people talk about it. Mm. Um, there's a really great film you can watch for free on Hulu called Under Our Skin. And it's a great documentary about why we don't have the proper protocols and what's going on with that um, on deeper levels. And a lot of it has to do with the privatization of research into Lyme's. Uh, but at any rate, um, I found myself talking to a lot of people with uh, chronic Lyme. And they all had the same story. They started off with antibiotics, and then they graduated to a pick line where they were administered liquid antibiotics for Mm -hmm. months, Mm -hmm. and then harsher drugs, and then effects from those drugs like liver problems. I had a friend whose teeth were crumbling. I mean, all kinds of things. Um, You know, just horrific because, you know, if you're you're taking serious medications, your liver has to filter that. It has all kinds of effects on your body. Mm -hmm. So you have to recover from your limes and you have to recover from the drugs you were given. So it's really important to find a limes literate doctor. And um, what what is a limes literate doctor? A limes literate doctor uh, is knowledgeable about the treatment of limes. You know, most doctors are being told by the CDC just what to, to do. just to administer the the antibiotics, oh and yeah. it's it's not doing the trick. And we've got an epidemic, and you know we're n- we need to talk about that too. And um, you know, basically, I was researching, and I did find several Lyme's literate doctors, and it just so happened another friend from California I reconnected with, and she um, introduced me to a doctor who I started seeing. But um, what I first did, and this is this sounds kind of strange, but it's really not once I researched it. Um, I have a young dog who, had, who was diagnosed with Lyme's disease, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the doctor put him on several rounds of antibiotics and there's a particular test that the canine world uses the vets use and it's called a c6 and that measures the antibodies and the antibodies are the kind of the emergency workers in the blood system right right and because limes goes everywhere proliferates your whole system in your body it's hard to get an accurate test so they have something called a c6 and my dog's C6 numbers after these rounds of antibiotics went up to 243. And anything above 30 is, is, oh. is considered high. So What was he doing? How, how, what was the effect of, on him? Uh, the impact was he was very lethargic. Uh-huh. He was lame. He had bouts of lameness, uh, difficulty walking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, fevers, things like that. Mm-hmm. And... Then at one point, he started going into renal failure because it was attacking his kidneys. So I'm, I'm lucky enough that I, I have some incredible people that I know. And there's this uh, woman, Jacqueline Hill. Her family owns this incredible pet food company. Aha, uh-huh, that was called, the next thing I was going to get to. Yeah, <laughs> called Answers. And um, 
what they're doing is quite different than anybody else. And I learned so much about my own health through my dogs and through talking with Jacqueline. She's, she has a, a background in microbiology, and the, the, mm-hmm. that world really interests me. Mm-hmm. The microbial world is fascinating, <laughs> given that 90% of our health is in our gut. And um, what they're doing is they're growing food for the animals that, you know, we should all be so lucky to <laughs> eat. And, and if we research, we can. But they work only with GAP-certified farms. And that's a global alliance partnership, which means no factory farming. Uh, these animals are out on grass, which is really important uh, for the anti-cancer properties like CLAs, conjunctive linoleic acid, glutathione, things like that. Um, but they're in species-appropriate environments. Goats get to climb, cows get to graze, pigs get to wallow. Um, and they have humane handling practices as set forth by Temple Grandin. Um, there's also no antibiotics, no steroids, no GMOs, um, nothing artificial added, no yeah. artificial colors or flavorings or anything like that. And so um, since I had been, of course, feeding my animals this, I called Jacqueline. I said, Jacqueline, what do I do? The numbers came back. They're extremely high. She said, put them on a goat milk diet. Now, I've been a raw food feeder of my pets for over 12 years, and I've learned incredible things from people like Dr. Marty Goldstein, who's premier vet in holistic care and treating pets with cancer for years. He's been on Mm -hmm. the forefront successfully. Mm -hmm. And um, I turned to Jacqueline, and I said, you know, I'm a little nervous about that. She said, look, here's the thing with goat milk. Uh, it's 100% nutrition. It's the most universally accepted food by variety of species around the world. It's been around forever, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what's really nice, because they have high level of sourcing, they're not injecting these goats with hormones to keep them pregnant. They rest them. They're out on grass. They, they live very nice lives. Um, well, where do you find a goat farm? <laughs> the goat, well, they, goat, they, organic they, goat well, farm. <laughs> Answers has found them, and uh-huh. they're in these Global Alliance Partnership mm-hmm. programs. So it's um, what they're also doing, which humans should really pay attention to this, is they're fermenting their food. Mm-hmm. And fermentation is a process by which um, the bacteria and the yeast, the good bacteria and yeast, they transform the nutrients in this food and bring forth other things, other nutrients and beneficial enzymes. But it also protects the food, which is really important, mm-hmm. without destroying it by, by using high heat. Because that's what we do with a lot of our food and our pet's food, is we destroy it by pressure or heat, and we kill everything. And then in order to get it certified... You know, they add synthetics, synthetic vitamins and things like that. And really, mm. that, that's a bad deal for our body. Our body doesn't recognize it. It causes a lot of inflammation. Mm-hmm. So she said, um, this goat milk, they used to use it in the Mayo Clinic years ago before Big Pharma took over, and it was a cure-all. You would go in there, you would check yourself in, and for 30 days, that's all you would drink is this raw milk. And what they found it did, because the, the milk and the blood share the same chemistry profile, if you stay on it 30 days, you actually get an internal blood transfusion. So your blood recycles really? and recharges. Yeah. Interesting. And that's really useful if you're trying to eradicate spirochete because the spirochete infiltrates everywhere and your blood goes everywhere. So it's, it's fabulous. Works actually. together. Works together. And <laughs> so you said, you know what, I'll try it. I put them on the goat milk. They also have a kefir, which is um, 
It's another milk protein, milk protein from, yeah. from cows. From, but but they do it from goat too? This one is with cows, and they use mini jerseys, which are the protein is, is more digestible, the enzyme is more digestible than the big Holsteins that they use in the dairy industry. That's not very digestible. They produce a lot of milk, but it's not digestible. So the mini jerseys they use, and then they ferment it a little higher, a little longer. Question? Yeah. What's a mini jersey? A mini it's a jersey cow. cow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a, a city boy. It's a, uh, it's a cow. A mini it's the jersey. pretty cow. Well, I, I thought that, but I. <laughs> the, the, the real nice tan brown ones. Uh huh. Yeah, they're they're um, they're. Uh, and why do they call them mini? Because they're small. They're small. Yeah, and but they the, produce a lot of cream. Their cream is very rich. They, um, the, the, the milk is actually as digestible as, as the goat milk, so mm. there's not a digestive problem there, and especially if it's raw. We get into trouble when we heat our milk up. But um, So I put my dog on this along with some of the kefir for it's a little more fatty, and, then, um, and they also do a fermented fish stock with sustainable uh, fermented fish. Uh-huh. And um, within a couple of days, the fever was down. His Within a week, his kidney values were normal. And then he was fine on it. He was bright. He was happy. He didn't, he didn't beg for food. He was, I mean, this was, this is food. This is, you know, mm. incredible. And also what the goat milk does, which is very important, it gets rid of biofilm in your gut. Um, we have a problem, and our pets have a problem with all the processed food and meds we take. Yeah. We get we get I, we get gutlet. Well, well, it's okay. It's your show. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. <laughs> I just you know, it just came yeah. out. Yeah. We get we get gut leak, and that's when particles yeah. um, because it, it, our digestive tract um, becomes very weak. We can mm-hmm. have leakage into our bloodstream. So this actually heals that, and it gets rid of biofilm, which is kind of a slimy substance that. Actually, lime spirochete love to hang out in. Mm. And um, so the goat milk will actually flush out the biofilm in the gut. So my dog did so great on it. And I was, I was very comforted by the fact he didn't you know, lose tons of weight and he didn't look sick. And he was bouncing around quite well. Um, I did a retest after six months and I found out his numbers went down to 108 from 243. Wow. Fantastic. Now the vets... I go to a conventional vet, mostly for a lot of diagnostics, but um, he was so excited, he thought I had him on antibiotics. <laughs> and that quickly... No. <laughs> so when I told him the good news about the goat milk, and I was so excited about that... He looked at you like... Yeah, mm. I've been called irrational before, but um, <laughs> yeah, so before I told him that I, <laughs> how I treated, he said, you know, if you cut those numbers in half, it's a success. And he said, this is a remarkable result. He said, maybe you should go for one more round of antibiotics. And I said, you know, I never did those antibiotics. <laughs> I did this thing called the goat milk fast. So, oh, yeah. But it's good. You know, again, it's one of those true-to-life moments where I, where I share the information, even though it might, might not land very well. Right. I consider I'm maybe planting seeds for people down the road. Absolutely. Well, I want you to plant some seeds in uh, our audience here with uh, how they can get in touch you too, because we're down to the last couple of minutes. Oh, this has flown by so yeah. fast. It really has. <laughs> um, well, you just people, have to get you back again. <laughs> I would love to. People can reach me at my organization, Rhea, R-H-E-A, at speciesalliance.org. And, um, you know, we do a lot of outreach. We... Um, 
help bring the film to your community, to your schools. Um, we'll do events around, um, you know, the film and educate and help educate um, the people that you know and love and and help you spread the word, help you talk about it. The film does all the heavy lifting <laughs> <laughs> for you. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming. Marianne, thank you for accompanying her. Oh, thank you for having me. And Rhea, thank you so much for coming and sharing all the information. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure and my honor, and, and thank you for the opportunity. Very well. So, well, that's another end to In the Green Room, and uh, we'll see you all next week, and chew on that for a little bit. <laughs>